Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Okay, now we're going to talk about healing. This is week five in. And actually, because the subject is so massive, it's a third of Jesus' earthly ministry, healing and deliverance ministry, one-third of what he did. John said it this way. He said the world could not contain all the books uh, written uh, of everything that Jesus said and accomplished when he was here on the earth. But we do have a record in four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And healing is massive. So we could fill up our whole year just talking about healing. Uh, but we're committed to the whole council. But hasn't, ha, has it been good to look at Jesus as the healer? Just helps us, doesn't it? And um, so we're going to look again at the great physician today, and we're going to look at some common denominators and some commonalities in the healing testimonies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And... Um, Two of them are very obvious ones. Uh, Jesus said at one time, he said, he said, I didn't come uh, for people who don't think they need me. He came for the whole world, but people who don't think they need him don't, don't make, uh, make any access to what he came to give. But he said, he said in the same way that a doctor uh, didn't come for people that are well, they came for people who, are, who need a healer, who need a physician. And Jesus identified himself as a physician. Uh, He's not just any physician. He's the great physician. He's an an amazing physician. Being the word uh, and in on creation, he has kind of an edge on things. Does he actually, with his Father and the Holy Spirit, made the human body? And if he made it, he can fix it. Amen. So uh, we're looking at some commonalities. One, one commonality, a, a very obvious one, is in, uh, that make up the different testimonies of healing in the Gospels is, is you need a, a sick person, somebody who has some kind of an illness, illness or malady in their body. And so that's something common to each testimony in those four books. But then not only uh, that, but another common uh, denominator that's also an uh, obvious one, is the healer, the physician. So you have a sick person or somebody who has a weakness or a malady in their body, but you also have the physician, Jesus. So you have these two, uh, these two common denominators in all the story. There was somebody sick, and then there was Jesus. Makes so much difference. You put those two together. But we're going to look at uh, some other common uh, denominators uh, in some of the testimonies, and this is one of them. In John, the second chapter, in verse 5, Jesus' mother and Jesus and his disciples were at a wedding in, Gal- in Cana, and they ran out of wine. And this came to Mary's attention, and she told Jesus about it. Anyway, uh, Mary said these words, very strong words, and they apply to what we're talking about today. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, 
to you, do it. Do it. So Nike didn't start that. <laughs> Mary did and kick-started a miraculous ministry of her son Jesus. And so uh, if we could just say this, do it. Say, say it with a little bit of bite in it. Do it. Yeah, because unless you do it, unless people in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did it, nothing would have happened. And one thing that is necessary with miracles is not just the waiting for them. There is action that is involved a lot of times. And so uh, we're going to look at this doing of it. Or, in other words, obedience. If Jesus is the great physician, then his prescription to somebody is going to be very precise. It's going to work. It's going to make the difference. But as any prescription is, we see from Proverbs, the fourth chapter, it says that his word is medicine to our flesh. Well, no medicine ever helped anyone that ever got a prescription from a doctor unless they filled the prescription, took it home, but just even taking a prescription home and, and even putting it beside your bed and even, even, uh, even you could rub pills on your face, <laughs> line them up on your arm, but there is no prescription that helped anyone unless they interacted with that prescription. You've got to take the prescription. You've got to do it. If a doctor says to do this, you've got to do it, and you do it as he says to do it. Well, it comes to the great physician. Sometimes people just say, you know, will somebody else do it for me? Well, it doesn't work that way with medicine. You got to do it. You take it. You take the word. You put the word in your mouth. Eh? But sometimes the prescription comes with a directive of doing something. And so we're going to look at some of these. And or obe obedience. And in Mark, the third chapter, in the first verse, he entered into the synagogue again, and a man... Uh, was there who had a withered hand. You got to picture it. And so this guy, he has a withered hand. He has a hand, but it's withered. And notice what Jesus said to do in Mark the third, the third chapter in the fifth verse. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And here's the wild thing. If you have a withered hand, you can't stretch it out. That's the point. It's withered. And yet Jesus, the great physician, gives a prescription. He said, stretch it out. Now, if that guy would have thought, I can't. Don't embarrass me in front of these people. Can't you see it's withered? That's a mean thing to tell me to do in front of other people. If he would have given other kinds of excuses, all kinds of different excuses, you know what? This story wouldn't be in the Bible. The reason this story is in the Bible is because he didn't him and haw and make all kind of excuses and say it's somebody else's fault. No, my life has been so tough on me and it's been hard and I've had a hard time with his hand. When he got the command, stretch forth your hand, do you know what he did? Well, it says so. He stretched it out. And when he filled the prescription, when he took the prescription and he did it, what happened was... In that prescription, 
you, of obedience, you access divine power. Of course, a man with a withered hand can't stretch his hand out. But when he did it, the obedience is like plugging into electric current. God doesn't have a shortage on healing power. There's no shortage of healing power, and the healing power is not discriminatory against some people. One thing that Tony has made really, really clear, healing is for us, for all, all the children. We can all come. We can all come and, and receive healing. Healing is not discriminatory, but not everybody accesses the healing. Healing is actually, and we looked at this in this series too, healing is is in many different ways distributed, looking for ways to get into people. The creator of the human body loves the human body. He doesn't want sickness and, and weakness in the human body, so he's provided all kinds of ways to fix it. Well, with all that healing power, why didn't it happen? Well, same way, why don't, the, why don't, why don't we have light in this room? unless somebody turns it on. You access the electricity and the power that's available to this room. It doesn't just happen just because it just happens. Brisbane decides to turn the lights on in here. Brisbane doesn't have anything to do with it. We do. Isn't it true? And so that's why we have things. We receive it by faith. Is it turning the switch on? Obedience. Obedience to God's directives is, is a switch. It's, it takes faith to obey. It took that man faith to stretch out his hand. But when he did, he connected with divine power and it went into his hand and, and absolutely healed him. John, the ninth chapter, let's look at this one too. Jesus, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. When he said, had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the eyes of a blind man with the clay. That would have been something to see. That would have really been something to see. I will, don't you want to have reruns in heaven? Let's, let's find each other up in heaven, and let's say, show us the one of you making, spitting on the ground and mixing it up and making clay and putting it on a man's eyes. That's wild. You know the people that were standing around watching thought, what's he doing? He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. But the man was embarrassed. And so he had somebody guide him home and he had some water there in a jug, and he washed his eyes from that clay that that man put on his eyes from out of the dirt and spit. Is that what it says in the Bible? Well, let me tell you, this story wouldn't even be in the Bible if it hadn't have been for these next words that are right here. So he went and washed. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He obeyed, and when he did, he plugged into divine power. 
that healed his eyes. Obedience, all right? Now, uh, last night, um, uh, <laughs> I woke up and had this word come up in my heart. Obedience can, can happen. Obedience to a, a directive word, like, like the word that Jesus gave to this man, it can be very directive. Obedience can also be to the very written word of God. God's word is God speaking to us. Can you say that? God's word is God speaking to me. So when we have devotions, when we listen to a podcast, we come to church and there are directives in the word of God, we don't have to, we don't sit there and think, I need a special word. That is a special word. God speaks through his word to us. All right? And so when we obey that word, when we do that word, Jesus said we'd be blessed in our doing. Not when we just hear it. Not when we just chalk it down while I was in church another Sunday. Yeah, but was there something you heard that you could do? Because it's not going to church that blesses you. It's doing what Jesus says that you hear there and you do in it. It plugs into the divine power of God and releases blessing into your life. Does that make sense? So, he, he, uh, he gives directives. He gives uh, things to obey from his written word. Also, uh, you know, it can happen through uh, a prophetic word. It can happen in whatever way. But for sure, God is always helping us. And always, when you're ever in a situation, you can call out to God, and God will, according to Psalms 107, verse 20, God will send his word and tell you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. He'll give you a prescription. He'll say, take this, do this. All right? Make this adjustment. So um, this morning I woke up in my, and and this word came up in my heart. Yeah, this was, I went to sleep and I'd already sent my verses of scripture to Tony and everything was all done and everything. And then in the middle of the night, I woke up and I got this word. And um, it wrecked my whole sermon. And I had to, I had to you know, and I'm so thankful, you know, Tony helped me and I put some other things in there that the Lord had put in my heart. But, there was uh, this word constriction, constriction came up in my heart. And I was, got to praying about who would be in church today, and I don't, you know, we don't spy on you. <laughs> we really don't. But God knows everything about you. God knows everything in your life, and he, he certainly knows everything about your, your person. And he really cares. And so um, a, a lot of times when you're crying out to him, asking him for help, he sends his word. Sometimes it'll come to you directly. Sometimes he messes up our sermons to make sure you get your word. Isn't that a wreck? And uh, this morning right after the service, uh, uh, one of our, the ladies in our church came and talked to me and she was just she was just weeping um, not with sadness she just said last week she said God I need you to talk to me when I go to church on Sunday I, I need you to change their sermon to make sure 
I know what to do. So I said, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> it was 2.30. <laughs> he did, he changed it. But isn't that something? So, uh, you know, it isn't just uh, Tony and I or whoever else is ministering, you know, working, stirring up a batch of sermon and throwing it out to anybody who will, you know, pick it up and eat. And, no, we, we, we all come to the Father's table. We all pray together. God, talk to us. Can, can we agree with that that, that, that God has something to help us all with and, and, and he'll make sure you get it? But anyway, I got this word constriction. And he knew who would be here. And, and what I, I saw, constriction in my heart, I saw it, that there was um, uh, digestive systems that were constricted. And it felt like, in, I wrote it down, that it would be, felt like a, a knot in, in your stomach sometimes, just like a knot. And then I also saw like tension headaches, just real tense, and, and, and muscles real tense. Uh, and, um, and then also a restricted breathing, constricted breathing, and also uh, uh, even constricted, listen to this, blood veins. I saw like constrict, the blood veins were constricted and, and arteries constricted. And so I was just praying about that because he was seeing into people's bodies this constricted thing. And he said that the, there were three culprits that he wanted to deal with this morning that were making people's digestive, respiratory, circulatory, and muscular systems constricted, tense. And one culprit was unforgiveness, one culprit was anger, and one culprit was fear, which is, can be like with worry or fear of the future or a bad report or fear of whatever, but fear. Those three culprits, and the great physician has a prescription against those culprits that are, that are constricting those vital systems in your body. So right after uh, this morning, uh, in, the, in the ministry time here, the ministry team has already been alerted to this, and they're ready. There is a prescription from the great physician against those culprits. Already he's been at work. I know that lady that was talking to me, uh, the, the culprit for her was un, unforgiveness and resentment, and it had worked, and she was thinking she was, she, she was having um, uh, symptoms of a heart attack this last week. And she, she her, breath, her respiratory and her, her pulse was all out of whack. And she was instantly made free, even before the end of the service. See, he's here, and he's been here. He's, she said from the first song, things started changing. Isn't that just wonderful? So, obedience. So we're going to have that right, right up here at the end of the service. You'll have a prescription 
that you'll need to obey. It's not just prayer that will fix it. There's something to do. All right? Praise the Lord. Let's go on. Let's look at another component. And in uh, these, some of the stories of Jesus healing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's start looking in Matthew, the fourth chapter. This is the fourth component we want to look at today. The first one was the sick person. Second person was the physician. The third one was obedience to take a prescription. And now we're looking at the fourth. Look at it in Matthew 4, 24. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. I want you to notice the underlined words up here, they brought. Who? Who's they? In the stories of, of healing, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sometimes, very seldom, but sometimes you have the name of the person who got healed. Uh, but uh, sometimes they are identified by what they got healed of. Like uh, they were blind or had an issue of blood, or oppressed, you know, demon-possessed or something, and, and, or they had a spirit of infirmity and something. You didn't know their names, but you knew what their malady was. Uh, and so, or sometimes they were identified by where they came from. Well, there's this here, this other whole group of people. It's not this, this, this is not the they, and it's not the great physician. There's this other, other group of people in some of these testimonies here, and their name is they. They. But they're a huge component because if they did not, if they did not exist in these stories, in these particular stories we're looking at, these stories wouldn't be in the Bible. They brought these people, and there was this mass healing time of Jesus because of they. He didn't get their names in the Bible, but they put a story in the Bible. Now look at this, Matthew 9, 32. It says, and they went out, and behold, they brought, here it is again, this group of people called they, to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never seen like this in Israel. They, again, this story is here because of they. Matthew 12, 22, then one was brought. It doesn't have the word they, but somebody brought him. He didn't, this person didn't come on their own. Some of the testimonies uh, that Jesus healed did come on their own, and, and Tony has, has uh, shared some of those particular tests. Some of them did, but there are some that they wouldn't be there without this other group of people called they. All right? Let's keep going. They, well, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed them so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Let's look at another one. Uh, and I'm just very purposefully, we're reading the Bible because I want you to see, I don't want to just recount these things, this is our testimony. This is the way the physician works, all right, by referral. 
Have you ever gone to the doctor and they ask you who referred you? Referral is huge with the great physician. All right? When they crossed over, they came into the land of Genesaret, and when a man, the men of that place, recognized him, they, say they, they. sent out in all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. So they brought and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly well. Let's look at another one. Then great multitudes came to him, look at this, having with them. They didn't just come to hear the teaching. The teaching would have been amazing to come to hear. They didn't just come alone. They brought with them the lame, the blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Let's do another one. Mark 7, verse 32. Then they brought, here it is again, let's say it, they brought. Hmm. To him, one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his, they begged, not, you know, there was a, a man we call, uh, the, he was a blind, Bartimaeus, his name was Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, and he begged for mercy, Lord, have mercy on me. Well, not this story, in this story, they ask for mercy for the persons that they, the person that they brought. They begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ear. And he spat and touched his tongue. See, he did it again. I reckon he is the pioneer of spit ministries. <laughs> He's done it again. And touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open." Immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loose and he spoke plainly. Let's go to another one. It says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought, here it is again. Let's say it again out loud. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he'd spit on his eyes, wow, and put his hands upon him. He asked if he saw anything, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. <sighs> what a master. What a healer. This amazing story wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for they. An amazing story and we use it and there's many things we can teach from the story but what brought the story to Jesus what brought the person with the need was they all right let's keep going Luke 40 and verse 4 4 and verse 40 when the sun was setting all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them they brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke, Luke 5 and verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. This is a great story. It's one of my favorite. There was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So there was a heap of people here in this room. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
and there's no record that any of them were healed. Now, isn't that, doesn't that seem strange? The power of the Lord was present to heal. Well, if it was power, if it was there present to heal, why weren't they healed? The same reason we started off at the beginning. It's like electric current. There's plenty of electric current that is to this building, but it doesn't do a thing. It doesn't, it doesn't amp any guitars. It doesn't amp any microphones. It doesn't make electricity for, or it doesn't provide air conditioning or light. We don't enjoy any benefits just because it is to this building. There has to be access to that power. Do you, do you see that? The same in this room, there was power to heal, and no one was getting healed. They were there, you know, kind of listening to him. They were there kind of judging him, trying to find something wrong with him. No one was, was getting healed, and this was Jesus. Now keep going. It says in verse 18, Then behold, behold men brought. Here we go again. Men brought. It doesn't say they, but it doesn't give these men's names. Nobody's, light, nobody's name is up in, in the holy written word of God as the one who brought this man. They're anonymous. They. They brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith. Now there were other stories that Jesus saw um, you know, like the little lady that had an, issue of, uh, had an issue of blood, when he saw her faith, and he saw, you know, the sick person's faith. But in this story, it wasn't the man on the stretcher. It was the they. They. And he said when he saw their faith, he said to him, the man on the stretcher, man, your sins are forgiven you, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So we have this glorious story of this healer that was in the house and healed this paralyzed man because of they, the faith of they. Now, I'd like you to look at another example of they, uh, this wonderful compassion that operates through they. Compassion operated through Jesus. But Tony, on two different times during this healing series, has, has been very clear of the fact that we're not short on power. That's not, a, that's not according to the word of God that we, you know, are needing more power. But what is necessary that we see from the example of Jesus is that he moved with compassion and, and he connected the power to the people who needed the healing. Compassion closes the gap. And if a healing current is necessary from God, 
You don't want to break in that, con- con- uh, that current connection. You know, like if there's, a, if there's a short in a wire, a break in a wire, you can have all kind of power. But until there is a reconnection, then, uh, you know, you can have all the power in the world, but it is the connection. Compassion makes the connection. And so Jesus personally made a connection. But sometimes in some of these stories, we see that that connection was made by they. We're going to look at another example. In John, the fourth chapter, it says, uh, and this is the woman from Samaria. In John, the, seventh, or the fourth chapter, it says, the woman, verse 28, left her water pot and went into the city. This is, <laughs> Jesus has just been talking to her beside the well and reading her mail. And... Um, and she went in her way into the city and said to the men, why did she choose the men? Because that's who she knew. And not for any good reason. Who her contacts were in the city were men. But Jesus changed her life. She went back into the city and went to the men. And she said this, Come see a man. I love that. Come see a man. He told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. (laughs) That really touches me. Come see a man. Keep going. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of that city, oh, verse 30, they went out of the city and came to him. She was a they. We don't get her name. She was a Samaritan woman. We don't have her name. But she was a they. She was profoundly affected by an encounter with Jesus instead of just hoarding it and holding it. She became a they and went to the very people that she knew for wrong reasons. And she invited them to come. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, look at this, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. So something got started there that other people came and heard him directly, not because of her testimony, but because then something had gotten started and they came and heard Jesus directly and, 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 and they believed on Jesus. But it didn't start there. It started with a woman with a testimony of what Jesus had done in her life. And instead of just being privately blessed by what Jesus had done in her life and hoarding that blessing, she became a they and took that testimony to people who needed Jesus to do the same thing in their life and told them, come see a man. Change my life. He'll change your life. Let's keep going. 
Now we believe, they said, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that indeed this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's look at another example. John, the first chapter in verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. So one of John's disciples, his name was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. We don't hear about Andrew so much. We hear more about Simon Peter. We hear about Peter because Peter was one of the three, um, the three closest disciples to Jesus. There was Peter, James, and John. They were, those three were with Jesus when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. and They were on Mount, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured in front of them. They got to be in some very unique situations with Jesus. Peter was one of those three. We don't hear about Andrew so much, although Andrew was a disciple. But keep going. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Aren't you glad somebody brought Peter? <laughs> Peter didn't just find his way. He was brought there by somebody else who had experienced the changing power of connection with Jesus. Even though Andrew didn't end up being one of those three, because he connected Jesus to Peter, he brought Peter to, some, to, to a life-changing experience with Jesus, and Peter became one of, the, one of the main three. You know when you become a they, you may not know who you're reaching, but you could be reaching somebody that makes tremendous impact on other people's lives. We don't reach out and become a they just because somebody's important. I bet Andrew, the reason why he brought Peter is because Peter drove him up the wall as a brother that was maybe fighting with him all the time, or, you know, he knew Peter was a mess. But he brought him to Jesus. Let's look at the last one. Oh, let the finished verse uh, 42. He brought him to Jesus. Now, when, P when Jesus looked upon him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, a stone, which is translated a stone. Now, let's look at the last one. John 1.45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him who, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see, come and see. They, the last component is the they component the they component in the healing ministry, the miracle ministry of Jesus is the they component. I believe God wants to do all kind of miracles in all kind of people's life. He needs theys. He needs theys that will take their experience. Testimonies are so, so connecting 
telling people what Jesus has done for you, how Jesus has affected your life, a healing that he's done in your life, how you've seen Jesus heal even other people. I've been able to pray for people in, in taxi cabs after telling them what Jesus did for my sister in dissolving an inoperable brain tumor in her head. They'll say, how did, he, how did that happen? You know, Jesus can do the same for you. Aren't you glad we have a live physician? We're not just worshiping somebody who has stories locked away in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are worshiping and praising Jesus who is alive and practicing divine medicine. Amen. Bless the Lord. He needs these. And this morning, we're just going to consecrate to him in just a little bit to be that. Do this word. We're going to do this word. And God is activating us this morning going to put people in our pathway this week that we can bring to the Savior and we can bring to the healer. We can bring comfort. Whatever we've been comforted with, we can bring it to somebody else. It's going to happen. Praise the name of the Lord. But before we do, and Andy, if you'll come on up with your team. Praise the name of the Lord. We've come to the end of this service, but before... Uh, uh, we conclude we've come to the most important part and that is an opportunity for people who have not had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Coming to church is one deal. It's like having the medicine at least in the house. Coming to church is one deal and maybe you came to church because they brought you or they ask you to come. But coming to Jesus is a very personal thing. Everyone, everyone that comes to him has the opportunity to know him, not just as a crowd, but personally, because he's a personal God. He's a personal Savior. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And if you have not asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you do not know, a hundred percent that if you were to pass from this life, you would go to heaven. You must know today that unless Jesus is your Lord, you would not. There must be a personal relationship with Jesus because Jesus said that himself. No man can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And how you become born again is by acknowledging what Jesus did did for you personally when he died on the cross for all of us and in our place and for our sin but he's not dead today God has raised him from the dead we want to give you an opportunity to accept that today and to acknowledge that Jesus is your Lord I also want to give an invitation for anybody who for whatever reason and whatever pull or influence or current around your life, you just it seems like you've just been drawn away from a consciousness of your relationship with God. He never has stopped loving you. 
but you've been drawn away from a consciousness of that and he wants you to come home and he wants you to come home today he's not going to slap you and scold you but he is going to take you in and love you and help you I'm going to also give another invitation and that's for anybody here that has been born again but you haven't had a glorious experience that Jesus promised to everyone who is born, born again, and that is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus personally baptizes believers in the Holy Spirit that come to him and are hungry for that. I just prayed with somebody on Friday night and they were gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in a God-given, a heaven-given language. If you want that today, Jesus is doing that today. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to pray, and I want everybody to pray with me. And if you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, please pray this prayer after me from your heart out loud. We're all going to pray out loud. I want you to pray out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe in what he did for me, and I receive it. And I ask Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Because you are Lord. God raised you from the dead, and you are my Lord. I declare you so today. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.